Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, Calvary, I am so excited to introduce to you my friend, Scotty Gibbons. For over 25 years, Scotty and I have been friends, and back when we were in college together, he was truly one of the first people that I ever met who I said, this guy is a truly great preacher. Scotty has served as a youth pastor. He has served as a leader in the National Assemblies of God. Currently, he is the lead pastor at People's Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And today, he is with us to bring God's word. I want you to put your hands together and give a great big Calvary welcome for my friend, Pastor Scotty Gibbons. Thanks so much, friends. Good morning to you. So good to be here. What a treat to be at uh, Calvary Church. And man, I just, I love Chad Gilligan. Uh, as Pastor Chad just mentioned there in the intro video, we met way back in the day at Central Bible College. And uh, man, just from the, the earliest of, of uh, our relationship, just getting to know him, just so much respect for him. Um, Man, I know some of you are hoping that if you got to run into one of Chad's uh, college buddies that we could just give you some scoop, the skinny, some dirt, like tell some college stories. The guy's just too nice. He's just too good. I mean, he just doesn't give us anything to work with. I know I'm telling you stuff that, that you already know, uh, but you have just exceptional leadership here at the church. Um, Pastor Chad is somebody who loves God deeply. He cares so sincerely about you, and uh, he, he takes his role of shepherding this, this church uh, very, very seriously, and so he's a great guy. He's, he's brilliant. He's so smart. His wit, I just love his sense of humor. He's always so much fun, uh, but man, whether you're watching online or in Auditorium 2 or, or right here in Auditorium 1, can we just show our honor and appreciation to Pastor Chad for just the way he leads? Just put your hands together. So for a long time, we've been hoping that we could connect and, and that I could get to come and, and, and speak here. So this is like something I've been looking forward to for quite a while. I want to show you a picture of my family, if you'll just indulge me here. This is my crew right here. That's my tribe. That's the group right there. Uh, my best friend, my bride, Casey, along with Candace, my oldest daughter, then Kelly Grace, Bria, Allison, angel baby, and then the champ, Jordan, right there. He's the caboose. So six kiddos, <laughs> six. Okay, just stretch your hands toward me and pray right now. Would you just pray for me? I need some serious prayer. As you can tell, they are all boys except for the five girls right there. We have so much fun. I love my princesses. I really, really do, man. They're just, they're, they're amazing. And then my buddy, the champ. Uh, we're just, we're outnumbered is what we are. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and we just enjoy our, our time as a family. Love my family. My wife, Casey is, is here with me today and maybe you'll meet, uh, we'll get a chance to say hi to you out in the lobby perhaps afterwards. But, uh, it's so funny when, when friends give me a hard time about having five daughters in particular, like, bro, Man, when it comes time for weddings, do you, you are like, how do you save up? I'm like, man, it's impossible. You can't save for that. There's nothing I could do. And so like, what are you going to do? And so here, here's really the cool thing. This may encourage you as well, is that I pray and I talk to God and check this out. The rapture is going to happen before my girls get married. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? 
Some of you are like, that's heretical. No, the Bible says we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know it will be before my daughters get married. So praise the Lord. We've got that much figured out. Uh, my kids, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty involved dad. Like, we just, we honestly, it's just, it's a nonstop adventure. And so uh, we're always doing something fun and crazy together. And one day, uh, they came in the house and, and they were a bit younger at the time. So they're like, Dad, you got to come outside and, and play with us. We're playing a game. They love to do like these, uh, these like skits or make up pretend games and this person's acting out this character and this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so they're like, we're, 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 we're pretending like we're, we're orphans and we need somebody to be like this really mean, like, like task master, like this. Mean. We just, we thought you'd be great. That kind of offended me just a little bit, but they're like, come outside and just like be mean to us and tell us what to do. And so I said, well, I'm, I'm working on something right now, but as soon as I can, I'll be out and, and I'll come and play with you. So I went back to working on my laptop or whatever. And uh, a little while later, they came back and said, Dad, come on. I said, hey, just just stop. I'm trying. I'm going to, like, for real be mad if you don't let me finish this. And so they obeyed, and they went outside. I got caught up in my work. Don't judge me. You know you've been there before, too. I forgot about them. And then when it dawned on them, I was like, ah, they're probably finished playing. I, I hate that I let them down. And so I looked out, and they were still playing. And so I thought, man, I owe it to them to go all out. I mean, they've just, they didn't come back in and interrupt. They obeyed. They're still out there playing. I'm going to go over the top, and I'm going to give them a performance of a lifetime. And so I kick open the door. And when I do, it just flies open. They looked up, and I said, hey! And they stopped, and they looked at me. I said, you bunch of pathetic kids. What are you doing out here? And for a split second, they're like, what in the world has happened to him? And then it dawned on them what I was doing, and they were like, mm, yeah, all right. So I said, line up, get in a line. So they all get in line. I'm like, don't look at me in the eye, stare at the ground. They're staring down at the ground. And I said, I'm so sick of y'all making messes around this house. You don't contribute to anything. You know what? I'm probably not ever going to feed you again. If I do, it's going to be dirt and rocks. Do you understand? And they're like, mm-hmm. you know, they're just loving it. Have you ever had a moment to where you didn't see it, but you could feel somebody behind you watching you? And I kind of turned and looked, and the, the dude next door, I didn't know him because we weren't at my house. We are at my parents' house away, so he didn't know me. I didn't know him, and he had stopped weed eating, and he was just looking at me like. <laughs> I knew in that moment that I was thinking, performance of a lifetime, right? I'm just thinking, dad of the year. He's thinking 911. I got to call in hotline this situation. How many of you know that those were two totally different perspectives right there as to what was going on? Have you ever set out to do something and you thought that it was going to go one way, but then it went a totally different direction. Anybody ever had that happen before? Come on, even if you're watching online, just wave, right? I can see you with pastor vision. Yeah, thank you for raising your hand right there. But you, you thought one thing, and then it totally went a different direction. Some of you are like, yeah, 2020. Yeah, I, we can all relate to that, right? And so I just want to ask you this question. When it comes to serving the Lord, for those who are followers of Jesus, and I know that we have, may, may have some today, you're just checking out the claims of Christ, you're just seeing what this whole God thing is all about, and we're so glad that you are tuning in or checking it out, but for those who have been following God, what do you do when your faith collides with reality? 
Like, what do you do when you are believing for one thing, and yet, as much as you believe in that with your heart, your eyes are telling you a totally different story? I remember when I was young, my grandmother, she could, she could just see the, the Lord's hand on my life, and she's telling me, even when I was just a young boy, she's like, you're going to be a pastor one day. And you're going to be a preacher and tell people about Jesus. And I just wanted to run around and play outside. I didn't know what she was talking about. So I was like, okay, and check it out. Guess what happened? I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. When I was young and, and playing sports, my dad said, you're, you're gifted in athletics. He said, one of these days, you're going to get a college scholarship to play football. And, and I didn't know if that would happen or not. But like, it's like, wow, it's crazy. It actually played out just like we expected. And it, and it happened. And I did play college football on scholarship. And then, then I had my college professor who uh, one of my professors said to me, said, if you're smart with your money, if you'll follow this, they said, you will be a millionaire by the time you're 40. And check it out, he lied. <laughs> that one didn't happen. There are sometimes we go through life and we have plans and it's like, man, just like I scripted it. Just like I anticipated. But if you serve God for longer than about five minutes, you'll soon discover that a lot of the stuff that we read in the Bible, a lot of the songs that we sing, it's not that they're not true. It's that we will collide with things in life that will make us go, hmm, I thought this, but I'm experiencing something totally different. Sometimes it's a really big situation. It's a heavy situation. It's, it's different than just maybe hoping that this is going to be a fun skit with the kids and it turns into something different. Sometimes it's heavy. It's, 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 it's hurtful. Maybe you are believing for yourself or for a friend or for a family member to be healed. Uh, there was some type of pain or problem or sickness and, and, and maybe you've prayed about that but the pain hasn't gone away. But you read in the Bible where it says that our God is our healer. You will sing songs about how God heals. You will hear stories and testimonies of how God has healed others. And yet when you pray, he hasn't seemed to heard your prayer and hasn't answered. And your faith is having a collision with your reality. Maybe for some of you, you've, you've prayed that you would... Uh, get a job and you haven't gotten a job or, or you've prayed that you would get a promotion and instead of getting a promotion, you actually lost your job. And so in the midst of all of that, you're wondering, where's God? There are some of you, you trusted God with your finances and you stepped out and you wanted to be obedient, you wanted to be generous, you wanted to bless someone and, and as a result, <laughs> it seems like when you stepped out to do that, now you've gone backwards financially, perhaps then losing a job. And it doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been praying that you would uh, have a child and you've been praying that, that you'd be able to get pregnant and you haven't seen the answer to that and you're going, God, do you not care? Are you not able or are you just unwilling? Why won't you answer my prayer, maybe you feel like God spoke something to your heart at some point, and so you were really just stirred and excited and full of faith about this promise or this word from the Lord that you believe God had shared with you, and yet you're looking around and you're not seeing it come to pass, and so you're starting to question, God, are you never going to do it? What do you do when your faith collides with reality? 
I'll be honest with you, this is not the message that I intended to share all the way up until probably yesterday I was going a different direction. This isn't even a, what I would call a typical guest speaker message. I mean, just about every weekend I'm preaching somewhere, and a lot of the times, the majority of the time, it's as a guest speaker. And this is much more pastoral uh, than it is a guest speaker message. It's not meant to be super heavy. I just believe it's the right word for somebody in here today. And so I just pray that you'll be open to God speaking to you and allowing God to help you and to encourage you. So maybe just to kind of prepare hearts, could you turn and just look at somebody this morning and say, God wants to talk to you. Go ahead, just wave at them and say, hey, God wants to talk to you. God wants to show you something. Give them a big smile, would you? <laughs> or if you got on a mask, just squint your eyes. They'll think you're smiling. Just give them a big, a big squinting of the eyes right there. I want to read uh, from John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus. Some of you have heard this story. Others, maybe this is going to be new to you, but I believe that through this story, God can encourage us and show us something today. If you're ready for this, say, I am. Come on, if you mean it, say, oh, yeah. Somebody say, preach it, preacher. Okay, let's just get into it. That's enough of that. Okay, here we go. John chapter 11, verse 1 says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. Interestingly, the name Lazarus means whom God helps. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's just kind of interesting how God will choose a story about a man named Lazarus, which means whom God helps, and it starts off the story, this man that God is helping was sick. And does that just strike somebody else funny, or is it just me? This sick man, God was helping him. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. His sick, his name means the one that God helps. We don't know details about this sickness. Let's just allow it to represent anything and everything that you and I may ever bump into in life that is not fun or easy. In verse 3, it says, so because he was sick, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one, listen what it says, I love the wording here, Lord, the one you love is sick. I just think that that's an interesting way to present this to Jesus. I, I just want to draw your attention to and, and, and point out that their appeal to Jesus is not based on what Lazarus deserves. It's not about Lazarus, what he possesses, what he's done, why he deserves it, and nor is it ever when you and I are in a difficulty and, and, and we're going through something and now all of a sudden we're tempted to think it's because I'm so bad or because I'm so wrong. Now listen, if you've done something dumb, don't pretend like you haven't. All right, just say, God help me, I did something dumb. But just because you're experiencing pain or difficulty does not mean that you did something to sign up for it. How many of you have noticed that pain does not need your permission to show up? You don't have to do anything to bring it on. Sometimes it just happens because you wake up. And so in this situation, they're saying, Lord, it's not that we're coming to you because Lazarus has been perfect. We're just coming to you based on your love for him. Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. I want to read that again, especially for those of you that are familiar with this story, because it says, this sickness will not end in death. You know why that's funny? Because in just a few minutes, 
Lazarus is going to die. How many of you think that's a little bit weird that Jesus was saying, have you ever read a scripture before? You're like, God, I know that you don't typically make a habit of lying, but that right there, you know, you're looking at it going, that doesn't make sense because you know the story. And yet Jesus says this sickness will not end in death. And really those are the key words because Jesus never does lie. He's always speaking truth. Even when we don't understand the truth, you can embrace it and accept it as truth. He says, this is not going to end in death. Didn't say Lazarus wasn't going to die. He just said he might go there. He's just not going to stay there. Uh, what I also love about this, this situation of sickness and, and Jesus acknowledging saying this sickness, he doesn't say to them, Lazarus is not sick. Why are y'all complaining? Why are y'all crying to me? Why are y'all bothering me? There's not a problem. Can I just put some of us at ease this morning? Because a lot of times we can feel pressure to be super spiritual and to be like, like ultra holy and ultra just full of faith. And we can be going through something and we're going, no, it doesn't hurt. No, no, everything's fine. We don't have problems here. There are no problems. Everything is great. How many of you know that God is not honored when we're pretending? Did you know that he's more honored when we're real? God never calls us to deny reality. Catch this. He simply wants to lift our eyes to a greater reality. So it's not that I never go through a difficult time. He just doesn't want me to become so consumed by my difficult circumstances that I forget about the fact that he's above and beyond all of my circumstances. So he says, yeah, Lazarus may be sick, but it's not going to end in death. He says, no, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. I love that loaded truth right there as well. He's basically saying that God has a plan for this man's pain. Did you know it's so much more bearable to endure difficulty when there is purpose tied to your pain? I mean, some of the most difficult pain for me is when I bring it on myself. Anybody ever done anything dumb before? Come on, raise your left hand in the sky right now. Your left hand. You've done something dumb before. You, just done, you looked at it and you knew it. You're just like, <laughs> that was all me. You can't even pretend like it wasn't you. You brought it on yourself. But what about when you didn't do anything to deserve it and pain does come without permission? You look at that and just think, this is just flat out wrong. This is terrible. I didn't do it. As a matter of fact, I was trying to do something good and this happened. But can you know, even in those moments when you're carrying that type of pain, when there's purpose tied to it, you can better bear it and stand it because you know that God is at work in the midst of that. Can you say amen to that? In verse five, it goes on and it says, now Jesus loved Martha and he loved her sister. And he loved Lazarus. So, verse 6. Now, hold on. Let's, let's read verse 5 again. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, I'm going to read that one more time because I want you to get ready for this. So, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. He cared so much about them to where when he heard that Lazarus was sick, 
He loved them so much to where when he heard it, it says he heard that, and because he loved them so, look at verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Come on, is that just weird? I just feel like God was like setting us up right there. Sometimes God will move, like he'll just shift on you just to keep us on our toes. Oh, yeah, Jesus loved Lazarus so much. Yeah, we're listening, God. He loved them so Yes, God. He loved them so much where when he heard that Lazarus was sick, oh, I already know. He went running there. He just dropped some lightning of healing, just like that. He, he, you know what does it say to him? He stayed where he was and didn't do anything. Man, what in the world is going on? How many of you have ever noticed that God's clock is different than yours and mine? Have you ever noticed that before? That God's time frame is above our just limited understanding of hours and minutes and seconds. He's not dragging his feet his clock just works differently. Listen, if, if no one else in the room understands that, all the fellows in the room should understand that there's a difference in a guy's clock and a lady's clock, their understanding of time. It's just different. Like it, you, you got married, you quickly realize, oh, I thought, okay, so one day when we're about to leave the house, if I'm saying, hey, Casey, we've got to go, we're going to be late, and she says, I'm almost finished putting on my makeup, I just need another minute. <laughs> See, if you're not careful as a dude, you'll think, cool, she needs 60 seconds. That's not what she said. She didn't say she needed 60 seconds. She said she needed a minute, which in my mind means you need a minute. What she really meant was you have time to go out and mow the yard, take a shower, read the newspaper, and then I might be close to getting ready. So it's just different. How many of you understand that God is rarely early, but he's never late? He's always right on time. But we're looking at it going, it sure looks like you're running behind to me. Lord, here's the need, but he stays where he is. He stays where he was for just a few more days, and he doesn't come. Listen to what it says in verse 11 and following. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. That's one way of saying it, right? But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death because Lazarus had died. But his disciples thought, he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And look at verse 15. He says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. He knows what he's about to do. He already knew when they brought the message to him, Lazarus was sick. He already knew the whole way this was going to play out. And he says to these guys, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake that this thing is playing out the way it is. See, if we're not careful, when we go through difficulty, the enemy can get in our heads and start causing us to think that God does not care, that God is not aware, or that God is uninterested or that God has abandoned you because you've done something to bring this on yourself instead of realizing, hey, listen, 
we don't deserve any of God's grace and his love and his help, right? So we never have from the beginning. Why start thinking now that I deserve for God to help me in my situation? It's never about us. It's always about God who loves us. But the enemy would love for you to think that the reason your marriage is struggling, the reason you're living with anxiety, the reason you're battling depression, the reason that you're in so much debt and can't find a way out, the reason that you're so, whatever the pain, whatever the darkness, whatever the difficulty, he wants you to think that that is the totality of the story and that you are stuck there and that there's no way out. But when you are looking to the Lord, not denying your reality, but acknowledging that our God is greater than any reality we ever experience. And when we lift our eyes to him, there's purpose tied to our pain. And whatever you're going through, when God is at work, he can look at that situation and say, and I'm glad for your benefit that you're going through this. Which just sounds messed up to me. If I'm just being honest, I'm like, that's cool, God. Hey, I got a different idea. What if we do this? What if you just, for my benefit, just go ahead and remove this problem? <laughs> How about that? I'll just do a happy dance, Jesus. Come on, just take that away and help me. Have you ever had a son or a daughter, and they've had to go to the doctor? And the doctor tells them they need a shot or they need the tooth pulled and and I've, I've had that happen before to where my, my child would look at me with eyes like, do something. And I'm like, okay, well, they're going to give you a little shot. It's going to be fine. And, and, and they're thinking, you're going to allow this total stranger, just because they're wearing a white coat, to come over here and jab that pointed thing into my body. And you're going to sit there and watch and not do anything. And you say that you love me, right? I mean, they, 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 in their minds, they're just going, this doesn't make sense. But as a dad, I'm going, I don't like it. I don't want it. But for your benefit, I'm glad that I'm not stopping it because you're going to be the beneficiary of it. You got to trust this. God never said, in this world, everything's going to be. I don't know why we think that as Christians sometimes. We just, we just act like, what in the world? Hello, God, I, I'm serving you. And there's difficulty, we act shocked by it, right? When I was uh, playing football, I could, in, during my games, I could always hear my mom cheering. I could always hear my mom. I could always hear my mom above everybody, above the band, above the cheerleaders, above the people in the stands. I could always hear my mom because my mom was the one screaming. When I would be running the football, my mom would be the one shouting, run out of bounds! If somebody was running towards me to tackle me, my mom would be screaming, just sit down, don't let them hit you. <laughs> I'd get hit, get tackled. After the game, come home, maybe a busted elbow or bloody knuckles or something, I'd come home and she'd be like, let me see you, let me see your arm, let me see. And I'd be like, that's nothing, mom. She'd, Did that happen on that one play when that boy hit you? Yes, ma'am, that's when it happened. Did you not hear me tell you to sit down? I was like, actually, mom, I did, clearly. I, I specifically remember hearing you tell me to sit down. She's like, why didn't you sit? Mom, that's not how you play the game. That's not the point. How many of you know it would be strange if I showed up for the game and then when the other team showed up, I'm like, who are these dudes? Why are they here? 
And if when I'm trying to go and score a touchdown and somebody tries to tackle me, if I stood up and told on them and said to the ref, hey, he just hit me. Move, man, I'm trying to score. Now, you're tracking with me on the analogy. We'd be like, that's foolish. In the game, you understand there's going to be opposition. Your commitment is to overcome the opposition in order to win the victory. Why in the church so often do we as Christians go, who's that? And God's like, well, that's, that's the devil. Well, he's being mean to me. And Jesus like, yeah, you ought to check out that Bible. I talk a little bit about that in, in, in the pages. You ought to read it. And what you understand is there's an enemy that does not like you, right? You, you do understand that, right? The devil has come to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. Who? You. He doesn't like you. He wants to stop you. You don't have to live in fear because we're playing from a win. God has already given us victory. We're more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ Jesus as he strengthens us. We know how this whole thing ends. You ever watched ESPN classics before? Like a lot during Corona, right? When they weren't playing, we were having to watch. all. If you watched a game you had already seen before, how come you weren't screaming at the television? Now, some of you watch a game that's in real time. You're watching, man, you're screaming, you're throwing popcorn, you're hollering as if they can hear you. Run the ball, run the ball. As if they're going to stop and go, yes, you there <laughs> in Ohio, I heard you. You know, it's just weird. We're screaming out the television. How come you don't do that with ESPN Classics? Like, because I already know Jordan wins the championship. We've seen this a hundred times. Well, what about when he turns the ball over? What about when he misses a shot? You don't panic. Why? You know how the game ends. You don't freak out over a momentary setback or just a temporary mistake or, or, or hurdle. You know how the whole thing wins. When you're walking with God, you already know how this whole thing ends. You don't have to get all worried and all upset and all nervous. You just know I'm going through something, but God is going to be glorified, and I'm going to be satisfied as I trust in him. Can you say amen to that? So he says, for your sake. Now listen to verse 20. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear just the emotion in her words? Can you sympathize just a little bit? Lord, I know you knew we sent for you. The guys came back and told us they told you, but then they said you stayed there. And because you stayed there, now our brother is dead. He wouldn't have died if you had only. This would not have happened if you would have only. God, this wouldn't have ever taken place if you had just. God, why didn't you answer? Why didn't you come through? Why didn't you help me? And I want you to know that there are times that you feel like maybe God is distant just because it seems that he's quiet. But I want to remind you that God's silence does not represent God's absence. Just because you can't see him working does not mean He's not at work in your situation. You ever heard that little verse that we walk by faith, not by? 
sight. It's called a walk of faith because we don't always see what God is up to. Even when I don't see it, I can know that he's working. So when God doesn't move how we want him to or when we expect him to and we could become a little confused, I want to remind you to not give up and to not lose hope, but to keep your eyes on him. Verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked. I would ask you today, do you believe that? Or do we say our faith only goes to a certain point? God, if you will answer when I expect you to and how I expect you to, I totally trust you and believe in you. Well, that's an interesting way to say it. Lord, as as long as I can see it and understand it, I will put my faith in you. That doesn't make sense. God, I will put my hope in you as long as you respond every time, on time, my time, when I ask you to. Lord, I will trust you. I will continue to put my hope in you. I will worship you. God, because I know that you're faithful, because I never have to doubt it, because I can always see it. How many of you know that is the opposite of what true faith is all about? He says, listen, when you understand who I am, you will get it that even though something is dead, it can still live. Because in our mind, we can look at it and go, there's only a minute left on the clock, God. Okay, now would be a great time for a miracle. All right. Okay, Lord, 30 seconds on the clock. Lord, if you want to sweep in, probably now would be awesome. I just, Lord, I know that you're able. Okay, God, there's 10 seconds and this isn't funny anymore. I mean, that's how we think. But God never takes his cues from our clocks. Because he says, even even though it goes three, two, one, zero. You remember when you were a little kid, you'd want to make the game winning shot in your backyard and you're like, three, two, one, and you miss it. You go, time out. (laughs) He got the time out right with one second left. And so he's got it. Three, two, one, and then half. (laughs) Okay, a nanosecond left on the clock. Like we just keep stretching it out, right? It's like that whenever we look at the clock and we're like, the marriage, okay, finally, it's a divorce. God, now it's over. It's final. Why didn't you step in? God says, even though something is dead, I want you to know I can make it live. You have a son or a daughter. You're going, this is going from cold to ice cold to frozen. They won't even talk to me anymore. Why didn't you intervene? He says, I want you to know even when something is dead, I can make it live again. When we look at something that's just going, Lord, there's no way. Now it's too late. And now it's three, two, one. Bam, the buzzer has sounded. God says, I'm bigger than the buzzer. God can't help you. God hasn't forgotten about you. It's not too late for God. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on his plan. He just wants us to trust in him. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though something is dead, I want you to know it can live. And then he said, do you believe that? And I just wonder today, do you? 
And some of you would just say, man, I want to. I just want to know that he cares. And that's why I believe this little scripture right here in John chapter 11, verse 35, was inserted into our Bible. Shortest verse in all of scripture, John eleven thirty-five, 35, and it says, Jesus wept. Now you understand he's not weeping because Lazarus died. How I many know that wouldn't make sense? Because he knows what he's about to do with Lazarus, right? You tracking with me? So he's not going to be like, oh, <laughs> he died. I'll heal him. He does that. He's not like on an emotional roller coaster. You say, then why would he cry? He's not crying because of Lazarus' situation. He's crying because he wants us to know. I believe this in Scripture because God wants you to know that when you hurt, God hurts. You say, well, Lord, save both of us some hurt. And God's going, no, this is, there's pain, but there's purpose. He's accomplishing something. Even when I can't see it, even when I don't understand it, I believe that I'm going to see a victory. I believe that God's going to provide a breakthrough. God's going to provide the answer just in the right time, even when he's above time. It says, Jesus wept. He cares about you today. He knows how you cried yourself to sleep. And I want you to know that he weeps when you weep. He's not being a mean, mad, angry God at you because of something that you did five years ago, ten years ago, or five minutes ago. He doesn't play like that. He doesn't play games. He's not a cruel God. He's a loving Father. He's not mad at you. Somebody needs to hear this. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's with you, even in the midst of your pain. So let's sum up this story and bring it in for a landing. You know what it means when a preacher says that, right? Nothing. It doesn't mean anything whatsoever. But if somebody can come and play the keys or something, then that'll make me think I have to finish up, or at the very least, it'll make this ending part sound more spiritual. Okay, so let's do this. John chapter 11, verse 38 Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He's like, I've already said something to you. Don't forget in the dark what I told you in the light. When you run into things that you don't understand about God, hold on to what you do understand. There's a lot in my world, in my life, in my family that we're carrying and going through that I don't understand. But just because I don't understand, I don't give up. I hold on to what I do know. I hold tightly to what I know about my God. He's a good, good father. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never give me more than I can handle with his help and his strength and his mercy and his grace. His grace is sufficient for me. The same grace that saved me is the same grace that sustains me. If he has the ability to save my soul from hell, I believe he has the ability to get me through this season of my life. So when you don't understand, remember, he's never called you to understand him. 
You'll never see a scripture where God says, figure me out. You'll never see it. But you'll see over and over again where he says, the blessing will come, the rest will come when you learn to trust me. So verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. One old preacher said that it was a good thing. He said, Lazarus, come out. If he'd have just said, come out, everybody would have come up out of the grave. So he says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I love what it says in verse 45. Many came to faith in Jesus. There are people who are going to be in heaven instead of hell because they watch how you walk through your difficult and dark time. See, it's one thing for us just to say if everything was perfect, everything is great. Oh, God's so worthy. He's so dependable and so reliable. Let me tell you about him. Like just easy peasy. Like be one thing if we just pretended at that level. When somebody sees you walk through difficulty and you're real about it, you're not pie in the sky. You're not Pollyanna. You're not just like, oh, no problem. You're going, no, there's a problem. But there's a God. Oh, I have challenges, but I also have a God. Let me tell you about that. And when people are watching you go through your difficulty, that'll be the greatest sermon they'll ever hear preached. It says, many came to faith in him. God will use your story for his glory. God will use your time of going through difficulty to strengthen you. Anytime storms come into your life, it's not because God wants to shipwreck your faith. He wants to strengthen it. And he wants you to trust him. And I know this, God certainly never seems to be interested in meeting all of my expectations. But the longer I walk with him, the more that I live with him, the more I see that he is 100% faithful to exceed all of my expectations. He'll do far above and beyond anything that I could ever imagine. And I just trust in him. I don't know what you're carrying today. But I do believe that this was the specific word that God had that he wanted somebody to hear. He's got you. What do you do when what you believe in your heart collides with what you see with your eyes? I would say don't go by what you see. Go by what you know. He's a faithful God. He's got you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray over you as I get ready to wrap up. And if you were listening to this message right now and carrying something that's just heavy you're going through something that's difficult i believe that god can use this moment just to breathe life into you and to assure you that he's with you he's got you and he's the way maker he's the miracle worker he's the promise keeper he's the light in the darkness that's who he is and he'll go before you just keep your hand in his hand Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you just say, Scotty, when you pray, could you include me in that final prayer? I just, man, I just want, I need God's help. I just need God to, to wrap his arms of love around me and draw me close and to, to help me through this season. Come on, that's you. Watching online, auditorium too, in here in auditorium. Just slip up your hand. Would you right now just say, yeah, I need God's help. Just keep it up and let me pray over you. God, I pray for every single one of my friends right now with their hands raised. That in this season of difficulty, Lord, that even if they don't fully see and understand the purpose for the pain right here in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would assure them that you're with them and that you're for them. And that as they continue to walk with you and put their hope in you, that you are the God of the resurrection power. Lord, that you are the resurrection and the life. 
And even though something looks hopeless to us, Lord, that you can always and will always be faithful to bring us through it if we simply faint not. Bless them, help them, strengthen them, I pray in Jesus' name. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, I want to pray for one more group of people today. I want to pray for anybody in this place who the reality is, whether you're watching online, listen, it's not a coincidence that that you stopped and paused and you've been hearing this message. And for anybody here today, it's not just by chance that you're sitting here listening to this. I really believe that throughout this time, God has been speaking to your heart. I believe that even right now, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, hey, I want relationship with you. But the truth of the matter is, apart from Jesus Christ, you will never have true peace. You will never have true joy. You will never have an unshakable faith or true hope because apart from him, we're all wrecked. Here's the story of the gospel. Every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us have sin. None, none of us are exempt. We are no exceptions. And that sin has broken our relationship with God. He's so pure. He's so holy. He's so righteous. One sin is enough to eternally separate us. It's not a matter of how bad you think your sin is. It's just a matter of how holy and awesome God is. But God's not okay with that. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die in your place and mine so that we could live forever with him. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation or earn a relationship with God. We have to receive it by faith. We have to accept his grace by faith. And he says this, if you'll just confess that you need me, that you're a sinner who needs a savior, you can't fix yourself, but you need somebody to rescue me. And if you'll acknowledge that Jesus, the son of God, is the savior. If you'll commit to following me and walking with me, he says, I will change you so radically from the inside out to where it's like you are born all over again. Do you need a fresh start? Do you need a clean slate? Do you need a new beginning? Here's the reality, friends. We are all one heartbeat away from never having another opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Once life on this earth comes to an end, you will continue to live either in heaven or in hell. Those are the only two options. And bad people don't go to hell and good people don't go to heaven. The only people who will go to hell are those who rejected a relationship with God. The only people who will go to heaven are those who said, God, I need you and I want you. Come and live in my heart. Today, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, you're one heartfelt prayer away from having your life totally and completely changed. God can save you. And you know that's you. If right now God's just knocking on the door of your heart, you just sense it. I'm going to pray. And I want to give you this chance to say yes to Jesus. And if you say, Scotty, as you're talking, I know that that's me. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ. Scotty, would you include me in this prayer? I sure will. I've just asked you just to raise up your hand just long enough for me to see it. And you can put it down. Thanks. 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 You can put it down. Anybody else? Thanks. Awesome. People watching online, you right there where you are, you can commit your life to Christ. 
You're ready to do that. Let's all just pray this prayer together and mean it with your heart. Let's all pray and say, Dear God, thank you for your grace. Today I commit my life to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to be Lord of my heart. From this moment on, I want to follow you with my everything. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for not giving up on me. I love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord for saving people today.